0: It's time to rehab it, everybody. Welcome to TLC. So glad you're here this morning. Uh, About a year ago, Brenda and I were gifted uh, with a weekend away, uh, no kids, uh, in Chicago. Some uh, friends of ours uh, gifted us. uh, Somebody had given us a a hotel for the weekend. Uh, Somebody else had given us tickets to the Art Institute, which we love. And uh, somebody else had actually uh, given us a reservation to... Uh, this restaurant um, called El Ideas. Uh, crazy kind of cool setup that they have, a little bit of a shady part of town, uh, but you, you show up and everybody gets seated at the same time. It's a tasting menu. So uh, really small portions, but there's like nine courses. Okay, so it's just like a couple bites in, in each one and, and, and you're kind of enjoying it. It was one of the most like uh, amazing culinary experiences that I've ever had. Uh, I wish I could even show, like, one of the dishes was, he called it uh, a, a frosty and fries, okay, but it was actually some leech potato soup that was hot with some funky, I don't even know what he put on it that had, like, smoke coming off of it that was ice cream, and so it was supposed to, like, be like dipping fries in a frosty, but really it was like some like high end like frou frou thing. It was amazing. It was awesome. It was awesome. Um, in just a minute, I'll tell you why though it was one of the more memorable experiences. But I think all of us have some really cool moments that we have. Enjoyed a meal uh, with somebody else. So, what I want you to do right now is just turn to the people that you kind of came with by yourself, just kind of turn around, find somebody else, but uh, tell them one memorable meal that you had and why. Go ahead. All right, I'm going to pull you back now. Everybody's starting to get hungry, aren't you? So what made this restaurant uh, so awesome was, of course, the food. The food was like bonkers good. But what made it so enjoyable was the fact that everybody is seated at the same time. And it's a very small, I mean, like the actual restaurant is probably like half the size of the stage. And that's the kitchen and the seating as well. So there's only about 15 people, maybe 20 that you're eating with. The dishes all come out at the same time. You're not ordering, so everybody's eating the same thing. And so it feels more like a community. In fact, uh, one of the fun things is actually watching other people experience the same food that you're eating. And watching their expressions They're like blown away. There's something about... Not just eating good food, but eating good food together, right? I mean, when I start thinking back on like some of my favorite meals, they're always usually connected to an event. So I always love getting together with the buck side of our family. That's my mom's side of the family. That's at Christmas time. Every Christmas we often get together. The food's fine. You know you're going to get some sort of a jello dish that's got pretzels in it amazing, right? Okay, that's very West Michigan, okay? But it's not so much the food as it is who you're eating with. Some of my favorite uh, memories of eating is actually a couple years ago when we were down in Orlando with our staff team here at TLC, eating at a place called Chewies. Any Chewies fans out there? All right, Austin loves Chewies. Can't stop talking about Chewies. It's very Mexican TGI Fridays, okay? That, like, that's what Chewies is. But Austin loves it, we went, the food was good, it was wonderful, but here's what was so great about it, It was our whole staff and spouses sitting around a table talking about what God was teaching us at the conference we were at. That's what made it memorable. Thanksgiving's always been Scott's side of the family when I was growing up. We went to this old, run-down elementary school that no longer had kids in it anymore, and we rented out the kitchen and the gym. And all the Scott kids would be together playing in the gym the entire time and eating tons of turkey and even more pumpkin pie and even more whipped cream than pumpkin pie, because that's how you should eat it. That's what makes the table so memorable. It's not just the food that you eat, right? It's the people that you experience it with. Now, uh, my small group, we love to eat together. Uh, It's one of our favorite Things to do. Uh, So every time we gather, we share the table because the table is so connected to the formation of a community. If you have your Bibles, I'd love you to open up to Acts chapter 2 this morning. Acts chapter 2. Now, uh, if you guys remember last week, we talked a little bit about the reality of what the pandemic has done to all of us, right? We've all lost some habits, all right, that were wonderful some of them we've also gained some habits some good some not so good but we are reminded that as followers of christ there are certain things practices habits that god intends for his church that help us become the kind of followers of jesus that all of us desire to be okay now uh we talked a little bit last week. Do uh, you guys remember the little illustration? I had the little jar, right? And I was like, the jar represents your life. And we put all the stuff in it and filled it up. Okay. The, rem- uh, the important piece of that illustration is that you have to put the big rocks into the jar first. Okay? So this whole series is kind of intended to be kind of a dumping out of our life jar. Okay? Dump everything out. And then let's start by taking the big rocks, the things that really matter to us, the things that are actually going to pay dividends for years, even generations, and let's make sure we get those in there first before all the other stuff of life begins to fill up the jar. So what I'd like to do this morning is help us engage not just with the first two things that the early church devoted themselves to, but really kind of discuss the next two things. So last week, If you guys remember, uh, actually, let's just read the text, and then we'll talk about that, okay? So, we're going to start in Acts chapter 2. We're going to read verses 42 to 47 this morning, and then we'll focus on the last two things that the early church devoted themselves to. Acts chapter 2, verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to the prayers, Last week, we talked about the first two things that they devoted themselves to. You remember that? The apostles' teaching, which is basically uh, the Bible. At the time, the Bible hadn't been written, and so the apostles were teaching them everything that Jesus had taught them. Now we have it right here in our hands or on your phones. And so they devoted themselves to Scripture, God's Word. The other thing that they devoted themselves to was the fellowship. Uh, It's the Greek word koinonia. Do you remember me talking a little bit about that? That it's uh, more than just like hanging out. It's the sharing. It's like a common mission that you're on together. You're going after something and you're willing to invest everything you have as part of a family to see it take place. That's koinonia. That's fellowship. It's not just like a potluck that you have, which is wonderful. Potlucks are great. But fellowship is something deeper. Today, we're going to look at two things. They devoted themselves to the apostle teaching the fellowship and then the breaking of bread, number one, and the last one, and two, in the Greek, it actually says the prayers, it's plural. But to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Now, um, what I want to do this morning is we're going to take those two things separately, and I'm actually going to start with prayer first, okay? It's interesting. Um, I was pastoring at a church uh, a few years ago. And I invited everybody to pray uh, together as part of the service. And I didn't realize what a big deal that would be at the time. I was younger, and a lot of folks were, um, they weren't upset, but I think they felt uncomfortable. And I began to understand there's a lot, a lot of us that no one's ever really taught us how to pray, or we've never had opportunities to practice praying, especially praying out loud, especially praying in front of other people. Uh, I had the privilege just uh, a few weeks ago um, to, to lead a, a young guy to Christ. Uh, he had kind of grown up around the church, even went to a Christian college, but it was always kind of like a, a, a side thing. He always assumed he was a Christian because, well, he wasn't Buddhist, and he grew up around, you know, going to church here and there, and had even gone to a Christian college, and he kind of knew about Jesus, and but no one had ever invited him to give his life to Christ, to invite Jesus into his heart. And so I was talking to him. I was like, hey, would, would you like to do that? Would you like to like, receive Christ? Because it's not just something you know about. A relationship with Jesus is about inviting him into your life. And, and so he did. And It was awesome. It was so cool. And he was, he was so stoked about it. So as part of that, I just said, hey, all right, I'm going to pray. And, and, uh, and then you can pray. Just, just talk to God. And so we did that. It was actually over the phone, and, and I prayed first, and then he prayed, and he he invited Christ into his life. And I couldn't even see his face, but I could I could hear the smile. You know what I'm saying? Like you ever been on a phone like something, you can just like hear like what their face looks like, okay? That's exa- and he said to me, he said, that's the first time I've ever prayed out loud in front of somebody else. And you could just feel like ah. it was like ah. it was awesome, right? But I think way too many of us, when we think about praying, because this is one of the things that the early church devoted themselves to. When they gathered together, they prayed together. And we pray together, but usually you guys all sit there quietly, right? And somebody else prays kind of for you, over you. The early church got together, and they devoted themselves to the prayers. Now, when we think of praying and praying out loud, I think a lot of times we kind of feel like it's got to be something uh, amazing and perfect. We kind of think that praying out loud must mean we have to look something like an Olympic diver. Your Olympics coming up, right? And if you guys like diving? I love Olympic diving. It's like one of my favorite things to watch. Uh, I think a lot of times we think our prayers need to look something like this. That right there is literally the highest rated or scored dive in Olympic history, okay? It's flawless from like beginning to end. Everything, lines, positioning, the finish, the lack of splash, like it's unbelievable. And and way too often I think that's how we assume that our prayers need to be, right? Right? Like, I've got to have a perfect opening, and I've got to know exactly what to say in the middle. And there's got to be the right amount of sincerity, but also the right amount of passion. And I've got to know what I'm going to say, and then I've got to, like, really bring it home perfectly at the end. And it's got to be a gold medal prayer. And the problem with that is uh, many of you feel like that's impossible. Like, oh, maybe, maybe the pastor, he can do that, right? Uh, m- maybe that 80-year-old lady who she's been praying, maybe she can do that, but... This is how I usually feel when I pray out loud. (laughs) Do you have any idea how long I looked at diving fails this past week? I'm embarrassed, but it's so hilarious. One of my favorites right there, right? That's how you feel. You're like, yeah, I don't really know what to do at the beginning. I'm not real sure what to do with my arms or my words. And like, it gets to the end, and it just feels like you just belly smack. Like, that's how praying out loud often feels to a lot of us. And we assume, well, since I can't do it like the gold medal Olympic diver, that I must look like the lady who I don't know has ever taken a dive before. And so, what happens is a lot of times I think we don't want to pray. We're just kind of afraid, like, well, maybe it's not going to be good enough. Maybe other people are going to think poorly of us, or, or God's not going to love it. But that's not at all how God sees us. God sees us way more like this. Are you ready to do this? Yeah, I'm ready. How was that? It was good. (laughs) Okay, that was pretty cool. I never did it before until today, and I should do it a lot more. There's another little girl who says, I bet my daddy will be really proud of me. And friends, I think that's actually how God sees us when we engage in prayer. When the church devoted themselves to praying, these were brand new Christians. They may have never prayed out loud before. Maybe they didn't know what it looked like or the right words to say. But when we devote ourselves to saying, you know what, even if I'm not going to look the best, even if I'm not going to know all the right things to say, but I'm still going to jump in, man, I'm telling you, God meets us in that place, in that space, and it's beautiful and it's powerful and it begins to grow us. You know what, that Olympic gold medal diver, he didn't look like that the first time that he jumped off a diving board. He practiced, and he practiced, and he practiced. And he did that just by simply showing up and jumping. And over time, began to be natural. Maybe today, this morning, you feel like, oh, man, I couldn't do that. Like, I like it a little too much. But what I want you to know is that as a church, we want to rehabit ourselves around the things that the first church did too. Because there's some beautiful and powerful things that happen when we do that come in response to what we devote ourselves to. We're gonna be talking about those over the next couple of weeks. So what we're gonna do this morning, though, is we're gonna actually practice this. Now, I know some of you is freaking out. If it's your first time here, if somebody invited you and like, yo, y'all gonna to try to make me pray in front of some folks? No, it's a challenge by choice. You do not have to. But if you are a follower of Jesus and you call TLC home, We're going to actually put two minutes up on the screen we're going to have some quiet music playing behind it and i'm going to ask you guys right now just to stand up and find two to five other people okay could be some folks you came with if you're by yourself you just want to kind of huddle up and we're going to pray out loud just in your little group you don't have to shout okay you can whisper and we're going to practice because we want to be people who are devoted to prayer now if you're like what do i pray for Pray for your neighbors. Pray for your job. Pray for people at your job. Pray for this church. Thank God for some stuff that you've experienced over this last year. It can be anything that you want, and it doesn't even have to be long. It could be one sentence, but we're going to practice together because the only way you actually get better is by trying. I love what little Logan said. Did you guys see what he said there? Okay, that was pretty cool. I never did it before today, and uh, I should do it a lot more. Go ahead and stand up. We're going to put two minutes up on the screen. Just huddle up with somebody who's close to you, and you're just going to pray for a couple minutes together in your group. There's a two-minute timer starting now. going to slowly begin to pull us back together. All right, you can begin to find your way back to your seat when you're able. Church, church, we did it. Do you feel a little bit like Logan right now? Mm -hmm. That was cool. I've never done it before today, but uh, I should do it again. We should. We want to be devoted to prayer. God meets us in that place. He doesn't require fancy words. Just like you would talk to me, God wants to speak to us. And God doesn't just listen to us talk when we quiet ourselves and recognize that he's present among us. He speaks to us as well. Not going to be an audible voice, but you'll begin to recognize what his voice sounds like, how he moves in your heart, how he begins to bring thoughts into your mind. We want to be devoted to the prayers. Now, just before the prayers, it says they were also devoted to the breaking of bread. Now, there's Two pieces or two ways that those words uh, actually describe an activity. Okay? The breaking of bread uh, has a primary and a secondary way that it is uh, referred to in Scripture. Uh, primary, the first way, is actually what we call the sacrament of the Lord's Supper or communion, which we're going to take as part of our application in just a little bit. In fact, we think that the disciples that were following Jesus... After the resurrection, when Jesus called them to go to Jerusalem and wait for the Holy Spirit to come, we think they went back to the same upper room that Jesus, uh, and were praying there for the ten days until the Holy Spirit came. Same one that Jesus brought his disciples on the night that he was betrayed when he took communion, the Last Supper, the Lord's Supper with them. And it was part of that sacrament that jesus instituted that they began to follow and obey and experience together so we always remember that the bread broken is christ's body representing his body broken for us on the cross and the wine is his blood poured out a new covenant that he writes an opportunity for us to have a relationship with god through faith in christ and that's the primary meaning of the breaking of bread. So when they say that, what they're saying is when they gathered together, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to sharing life and mission together and to communion, remembering Christ's sacrifice, as well as praying together with one another. Now, the primary meaning, of course, is communion, but there's something more than just celebrating communion together because the way that the uh, early church often celebrated communion was in the middle of a meal. It was part of actually what they would call a love feast. We begin to see uh, this terminology popping up a little bit later uh, in some of the letters that Paul writes, things that are happening in some of the churches that come out of this first church. Here in Acts. And so communion was an opportunity to celebrate and remember what Christ had done, but it also, uh, I should say, often, usually took place in the context of an actual meal. In fact, we see this in verse 46. It says, every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread, okay, same words there again, in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Communion was often part of an actual meal. How many of y'all like to eat? I'm telling you, I love eating. Grand Rapids is a good place to live if you like to eat, all right? We got some good restaurants. We're turning into a little bit of a foodie town. Uh, God created food to grow and sustain our individual bodies, but God also created food to grow and sustain his body, the church. We're supposed to eat together. Now, communion, absolutely. That's why we practice it at least Monthly here at TLC. It's one of the reasons that we need to be devoted to engaging in the church so that we actually get to do that together when when we do it. But it's more than that. There's also the opportunity to eat together in our homes or at restaurants. Um, There's all kinds of things that happen when we eat together. Did you know this? I actually did a little bit of research. I found a a couple different articles that talked about this. According to a study by uh, Oxford Economics, eating meals together improves mood combats feelings of isolation and even improves self-image. Another study found that families that eat together generally have stronger relationships than those who do not, and their kids do better in school. Another case study by Entrepreneur magazine uh, with a company. they found that eating together builds trust and increases productivity, builds trust. And increases productivity. So I told you one of the things that my small group loves to do is eat. So if you guys, uh, if you're small group leaders, well, that's the only way you'd probably know this. But one of the things we say to all of our small group leaders there are four things that every small group needs to do every time that they gather, okay? E-P-R-P. Eat, pray, read, practice. E-P-R-P, okay? So that's not an accident, we don't see eating something together as like just a way to like kill some time. No, no, no. Eating is actually the first thing that we tell people to do. All of it actually comes straight out of Acts 2.42. I'd love to tell you that I was that smart when, when we first came up with it. I don't even remember, but it's right there. Look, it's good stuff. Eat, pray, read, which is spend time in God's Word, and then practice, okay? Which is part of the whole koinonia, being on mission together. We love to eat. So, uh, whoever's hosting, we always switch up who's hosting. That person is in charge of the meal. That, that, that couple, that family is in charge of the meal. Now, uh, everybody in our small group, phenomenal cooks. We always eat really well. It's always fun. But secretly, okay, there's one place... That we really like to go. We love it when they host. Brian and Callie Britton. When the Britons host for us, everybody's secretly excited because we know we have about to chomp down. Like they always have, ama- Callie's amazing. But it's not just the food, okay? It's actually the way that Callie makes all of us feel, the way that she invites us into the table. In fact, we've actually given her a nickname. When we get together at their house, we say we're about to have some (laughs) hospitality, because that's how awesome Callie is. Like, you ever met somebody like that? Like, when they invite you over, like, you're just excited to go because of how they make you feel. It's wonderful food, yes, but it's really about the people that you're sharing a table with. Uh, we have actually developed a sense of koinonia, being on mission, this fellowship, this sharing, intimacy, love, care for one another. As a result of sharing those meals around the table, praying together with one another, of opening God's word together. That's what we desire. Now, it's a difference maker for all of us, right? For all of our local groups. And if you're not in a local group, this is one of the reasons that you need to. I love that we get to share the Lord's supper together. This is a wonderful thing. Something that we get to do as an entire family. But I want to see you guys sharing meals together with other folks in the church. And one of the greatest ways you can do that is by becoming a part of a local group. If you're like, yeah, I, 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 I'm not in one right now. You don't even have to wait for us to launch them again in the fall. Just start looking around at some other folks that you see and just be like, yo, Y'all got a local group? Because I'm thinking about starting one. And we're about to eat really good food. So you might want to be in my local group and be like, oh, that's awesome. I would love to. Thanks for inviting And then, boom, now you got yours. And then you can create your own hospitality, okay? <laughs> now, eating together matters, all right? But it's not just for building up church relationships. It's also meant to be a way to share our faith as we serve and love others by inviting them to eat at our table. Uh... Dr. Uh, Ajith Fernando, he's one of the commentators that I'm using as I'm working through this particular series. And uh, he says that it's probable that the house was actually an evangelistic center in the early church. So gathering together for hospitality, enjoying a meal, breaking bread, it was actually not just something that the church did as a way to like create fellowship, it was also a way to evangelize, to share their faith, to talk a little bit about it. A Bolivian theologian, Mortimer Arias describes the habit of house fellowship, okay, in Acts as centripetal mission or evangelism or evangelization by hospitality. He actually says that this is a factor in the proclamation of the gospel that we need to take way more seriously. And I believe that. Man, there's something that happens when we invite people to share a meal with us, Right? Whether it's at our own table in our house or whether you're out to dinner with them, there's something powerful that happens as a result. Um, There is nobody that I know that does this better than my neighbors. Uh, Dave and April, I'm sure there's probably some other awesome folks, but these are just the ones I know because they live across the street from me. And uh, last week I was hanging out uh, with Dave. We were talking and uh, he's like, yeah, we just had our mailman over for, uh, for lunch last Sunday. I was like, all right, <laughs> my mailman too, I never even met the dude, all right, not, not only have you met him, but you had a conversation, it was like, yeah, yeah, I was, was talking to him one day, and, and uh, Dave's not only talked to him so many times uh, that they can know each other's names, but so much that the mailman was actually walking through something difficult and shared it with Dave, and as a result of hearing that, Dave said, hey, why don't you come over to our place, we'll have a meal together, and so they did. The next week, I'm um, over at Dave's house again, and Dave says, oh, yeah, we, we've, got, uh, we've got somebody coming over. He tells me the story. They have a cat named Monroe, okay? This cat got out of the house, which, no big deal, but the cat decided to climb a tree. The cat realized he didn't know how to get back down out of the tree, so instead of going down, the cat just thought, well, I'll just keep going up, got so stinking high that there was no way Dave could ever get the thing out, literally had to call a tree cutter, okay, someone that knows how to scale trees, all right, the guy came over, all right, climbed all the way up the tree, rescued the cat, brought him back down, Dave paid him for his services, and they got to talking, and next thing you know, what happened? He's coming over for lunch today. <laughs> That's what they do, right? David, and April understand that inviting people to the table is a way that they can actually serve and care and love others. It's an expression Of their faith, and I love that about them. It's something that I want to engage in more and more in my own life. So, what's the application? And with this, we close. What I'd like for you to do this week, maybe even today, is I'd like you to invite somebody to lunch, either today, okay? Whole bunch of us sitting here. All y'all got to eat. Some of you have legit hard plans like I do. Don't invite me. I got a bunch of high school kids and middle school kids coming over, okay? But there are some other folks around you that have to eat. Either invite them out to lunch at some restaurant someplace, not Chick-fil-A, it's (laughs) closed. or invite them back to your house. Maybe you already got a pot roast, okay, in the air fryer or whatever. I guarantee there's going to be leftovers. Invite them over, all right. Now, if you're like, hey, I can't do today. Not going to work. All right, that's fine. Totally fine. But what I'd like for you to do is then think to yourself right now, okay? Who could I invite over or invite out to share a meal together? I want you to think about them right now. Think in your head. Who's that person? Who's that couple? Who's that gal? Who's that guy? Who's that? Maybe it's an older couple that lives in your neighborhood, Somebody that you could invite over and share the love of Christ with through a meal. I want you to share a meal together, and then I'd like you to do this too, because you don't get out of praying. And I'd like you to pray. Now, if it's somebody that you don't know if they like follow Jesus or what they'll think about that, just ask them if it would be okay if you thanked God for the food that you're about to eat. It doesn't have to be a long prayer, but as a Results of simply doing that, you might also have the opportunity to say, and I pray with some regularity, and is there anything I can pray for you about this next week? (gasps) Somebody, you can do it, and it will be awesome, and you'll feel just like Logan, who jumped off a diving board for the very first time and said, that was cool. I think I want to do it again. Father God, we want to be a church that devotes ourselves to your word, to the shared life, the koinonia, the fellowship that we have together, being on mission together. God, we want to devote ourselves to the breaking of bread, to communion and sharing a table, and to praying. God, we want to see your kingdom come in Grand Rapids as it is in heaven. Jesus, that's what you taught your disciples to pray and what we also learn as well. And so we will continue, God, to devote ourselves to these things, God, to rehabit ourselves around these practices. God, right now in these weeks, we're dumping out the jar of our life, all the extra stuff that's been there, and God, we're taking the big rocks, the things that really matter, and we're placing those back in first. And God, we know church is one of the big rocks for those of us that are followers of yours. So God, let us say yes to that before we say yes to a whole bunch of other things that are good things, but they're just not as important. Thank you, Father, for Jesus, for allowing him to die on the cross for our sins, for raising him back to life three days later. Jesus, thank you for being willing to sacrifice yourself for us. We love you. Holy Spirit, meet with us right now. We pray these things in your name, Jesus. Amen.